0: Welcome to the pastor's study.
1: I recently went to the hospital and had total shoulder replacement surgery. (laughs) And the Lord retaught me and taught me some lessons about suffering that I want to share with you today. So, C.S. Lewis said this, quote, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks in our conscience. But shouts in our pain. It is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world." In other words, pain can be God's way of getting our attention. I've only seen once on the front page of the Star Tribune, our liberal Minneapolis newspaper, I've only once seen a picture on the front page of people on their knees in church. And you know when it was? The day after 9-11. Pain has a way of getting our attention. I have visited a lot of people in a lot of hospitals and there's an old saying that I know is true, quote, some people only look up when they're lying on their back. So we learn a lot through suffering. God said to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul, my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, Our pain and sufferings can be used for the glory of God. So let's learn about lessons from pain and suffering. Let's pray first. Father, we pray for people watching this show now, some of whom are in physical pain, some are in mental pain, spiritual pain, some have painful marriages or have gone through a painful divorce or have difficult relationships with with their family. Lord, whatever kind of pain people are going through right now, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us and teach us what you want to teach us through our pain. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lesson number one from surgery, don't neglect James chapter 5. It says in James chapter 5 verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick man, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, the Lord will forgive him." So, the anointing with oil. Now, this shoulder has been hurting for two years. I got the anointing with oil four times from the elders. But because the pain persisted, I finally got the operation. But listen, hear this. Before you pay thousands of dollars to a doctor, do James chapter 5. And pick up the phone and say, Pastor, can I get the elders uh, to anoint me with oil and, and pray for me? I can testify I've seen God do miracles through the anointing with oil. Here's a dear pastor's wife. She had tumors all over her lungs. It was pretty much over for her. She comes to the elders of the church. We anointed her with oil. We laid hands on her and prayed for healing. She goes back to the doctor, had another x-ray, and the doctor said, I don't know what happened. They're all gone. And she lived for years after that. So if you need it, call for the elders of your church. Call the pastor and say, can I get the anointing with oil? Now, the sad thing is... This is not on the radar screen for a lot of churches. If you ask the pastor, can I get the anointing with oil? Sometimes you get the answer, what's that? Well, listen, it needs to be on your radar screen. James chapter 5, verse 14. Second thing I learned through surgery. Go to an expert. <laughs> for the last two years, I've gotten a lot of well-meaning people giving me their advice. You, know, you really need to take this supplement or this vitamin or you, know, or you, get, this, you get these shots. Even a couple doctors gave me the wrong advice. And, and so finally I went to my main doctor and I said, do you know a shoulder expert in Minneapolis? And he did. And I went to her and she knew her stuff and said the only thing that's going to ha- you know, help this is, is surgery. And she did a wonderful job, but here's my point go to the expert in life. (laughs) I mean, lots of well-meaning people will give you lots of advice. My point is, go to the expert. Go to God the Father. My point is, make it a priority that you read the Bible every day and you'll get the expert advice on life. I mean, wouldn't it be great if people stop listening to The View, uh, Ellen, Oprah, Um, and and started listening to the Bible. I mean, I remember years ago when Dear Abby was alive, somebody wrote a letter and she just uh, affirmed homosexual relationships. This was back when people were dying of homosexual behavior. And and listen, if you wanna know what God thinks, what's healthy for you, would you make it a priority? If you don't, start. Read your Bible every day, go to the expert. Next thing I learned, oh, by the way, there's an old saying I like. The Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. <coughs> Next thought, it's okay to see a doctor. Some health and wealth preachers will teach, you just name it and claim it, God I believe you've healed me, I know I'm still, I am still have these symptoms, but I know I just don't believe the symptoms, I believe God you have healed me, I name it and claim it. Well. And they'll say don't go to a doctor just get wait a minute do you know the man who wrote the book of luke and acts his name was luke The bible says he was a doctor and it never says anything's wrong with that and when paul the apostle is writing timothy in first timothy 5 he says timothy take a little wine for the sake of your stomach and frequent ailments paul doesn't say timothy where's your faith why don't you name it and claim it why aren't you healed he says take your medicine So, you know, yes, God can heal miraculously without doctors. Hallelujah, I've seen that happen. But sometimes God wants to use the doctor. I think doctors are a gift from God. Next thing to say about healing or learn about suffering. Get people praying. (laughs) I'm a wimp when it comes to physical pain. I told my surgeon, triple my meds, I I hate pain. Well, you know what I did though? I got my friends praying. My big prayer request is, please Lord, little or no pain through this surgery. And I got my friends praying. I want to tell you, this surgery was a piece of cake. Little or no pain and God answered that prayer. Somebody put me, hallelujah, on the prayer chain. That's the older ladies of the church that pray for things. I heard somebody say once, if you want to get God to move, Get the white-haired ladies from church praying for it. And and this is why I feel bad for people that don't go to church. You are missing out on God's support team for you. So whatever you're going through, get people praying for you. And make sure you're going to church and put it on the prayer chain. (laughs) Next lesson from suffering. Disease is part of the fall, but it is not the last word. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they brought death and destruction and disease on the whole planet, but then God sent Jesus down to earth to undo what Adam did to us. One of my favorite passages of scripture, this is from Romans chapter 5 about Jesus versus Adam. Listen to this, Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, verse 15, but the free gift, our salvation, is not like the trespass. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many, verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression, Adam's, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, the cross, there is resulting justification of life to all men. For as through one man, Adam, disobedience, was, and many were made sinners, even through the, through the obedience of the one Jesus, the many will be made righteous. And God's law came in to increase the transgress. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, that as sin reigned in death, even so now much more, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, Adam got us all damned, but Jesus got us all saved. Jesus came to undo what Adam did. So even though there's pain and suffering in the world, it's not the last word. If you know Christ, he's undone all that for us, which is why I say to a Christian who's going into surgery, even if the worst happens to you, the best happens to you. Again, C.S. Lewis said, God shouts to us in our sufferings. This is why I love to do funerals. I'd much rather do a funeral than a wedding. <laughs> at weddings, people are you know, thinking about the cake or whatever's coming up, and, but at a funeral, when there's a corpse in front of everybody, you got their attention, I think is the best time to preach the gospel. When I preach at a funeral, I always ask this question, and I'm gonna close the sermon today by asking you this question, and here's the question if today was not uncle joe's funeral but your funeral do you know where you would be spending eternity do you know where you're going to spend eternity that's the big question uh a week ago sunday i drive to my church i i'm a member of a biblical evangelical conservative missouri synod lutheran church I go there and eight o'clock in the morning, the church was closed because of a storm. So I turned my car around, I'm heading back home. The liberal ELCA Lutheran Church down the street is open. So I thought, okay, I'll go to church there. Well, first of all, it's normal now in the ELCA Lutheran Church that they de-sex the God language, that they get rid of masculine pronouns for God. And then came the Apostles' Creed and they've deleted hell. They don't mention hell anymore in the Apostles' Creed in the ELCA. But then the preacher got up and he preached on Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then the preacher said, well, what does that verse mean? Does that verse mean that if you don't confess Christ and if you don't believe in him, that you won't be saved? and the pastor said not necessarily And I'm going I chihuahua. let me preach what he should have preached right now how can you make sure you spend eternity in the right place if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord you're willing to be public about your faith and you believe in your heart you know you're a sinner you believe in your heart God Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead you will be saved but if you don't believe in Christ You won't be saved. Hear this. We're all going to have a funeral. We're all going to get caught by something before we leave this planet. Do you know for sure where you're going to spend eternity? If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, Jesus from the dead, you will spend eternity in the right place. So let's review this. Here's what I learned from suffering. Number one, don't neglect James chapter 5. Get the anointing with oil. Number two, um, go to an expert. Read your Bible every day. Number three, get people praying for you. If you don't go to church, find a good church. Start going regularly and get people praying for you. And then number four, the last thing, yes, disease is the result of the fall, but Jesus undid to us what Adam did to us. Amen. Welcome to the question and answer part of our show. You normally see Jackie sitting here, but Jackie had an accident and she's got bruises and scrapes and so she's recuperating. She should be fine, but pray for Jackie if you would. And uh, so today I'm going to ask me the questions. A question that just came in was this one. Can a person accept Christ, live like the devil and still go to heaven when they die? And my answer to that is no. Now, follow this. We don't get to heaven by being good, by anything we do. We only get to heaven by Christ on the cross, the grace of God. So we're saved by grace alone, true. But grace never is alone. Grace always changes your life. You won't be perfect, we'll still sin as Christians, but you won't live in it. And when you do sin, you repent. So if somebody's living in impenitent sin and saying they're a Christian, they haven't experienced the grace of God, they're not a christian. All right, we talked in, in the sermon today about suffering and sickness and so here's here's some more questions. Some Christians believe that God does not cause suffering, the devil causes all suffering. Is that true? No. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses is before the burning bush and God says to Moses, who makes man deaf, dumb, seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And, in the, and that's Old Testament. Well, yeah, that's Old Testament. Well, it's in the New Testament too. In the book of Acts, when King Herod sins, it doesn't say that the devil struck King Herod. It says the angel of the Lord struck King Herod, and he was eaten by worms. Now, how do we put this together, though? Because there are a couple places where it talks about the devil causing suffering. Remember the lady that was bent over for 18 years? Jesus healed her and Jesus said, Satan bound this woman for 18 years, and then Jesus set him free. And then in Acts uh, chapter 10 it says, Jesus went about healing people oppressed by the devil. So is the devil causing suffering or is God causing suffering? Well, one way to put it together is the first three chapters of Job. You remember how the devil hit Job with all of these diseases and took his children and got his house and, but Satan always had to go through the throne to the throne of God to get permission from God before he could touch Job. And did Job say Satan gave and Satan took away? No, Job said the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. In other words, Satan is on a leash. He can do so much to you, but then God jerks the leash back and he doesn't allow any further. So ultimately, yes, God can cause suffering. Satan has a hand in it too, but God is the one who holds the... God is running the universe, not the devil. Next question. If I am sick, does that mean God is punishing me? Well, Let's say that I go out and get real drunk tonight, and tomorrow morning I have a hangover. Or let's say I go out and I'm sexually promiscuous, and I end up with herpes. Sometimes there is a connection between our suffering and our sin. But not always. If you know the story, John chapter 9, the disciples say, Jesus, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, nobody sinned, not the man nor his parents. This blindness was for the glory of God, and then Jesus heals him. So sometimes when you're sick, God is dealing with maybe a sin in your life, but not always. Sometimes it's just part of living in a fallen universe, and you don't have the flu because you did something wrong. This is just part of living in the fallen world. (laughs) Next question. Can I claim by faith that God will heal me? Uh, ultimately, you can. Ultimately, in heaven, there's no disease, no cancer. So ultimately, God will always heal a believer. But I'll tell you the the teaching you get out by a lot of TV preachers that I reject. You know, years ago, somebody said, "Would you go visit my friend? She's dying in the hospital." So I went to the hospital. Here's this older lady, all crumpled up in pain. Uh, she went to a Pentecostal church, and not all Pentecostals believe this, but her church did, and her church was teaching her, no, you don't have cancer, you are healed. Yes, you have these symptoms, but don't believe the symptoms, God has healed you. And so this lady who's near death's door, no pastor, I know God has healed me, I'm not gonna die, and then she died. Well, do you have to go out of life that way? Can't you go out of life saying, if the Lord heals me, hallelujah, if he takes me home, hallelujah, I don't think you can claim for sure that God's going to heal your cancer. He might. But it says this in the Old Testament, and Elijah had faith. Now, when Elisha, it says this, now when Elisha was sick of the illness of which he was to die, Elisha died of a sickness, and nothing was wrong with Elisha's faith. If you know the stories, he raised people from the dead. So don't let people tell you that if you only had enough faith, you'd be healed. It doesn't always work that way. All right, next question related to it. Are some people not healed because of their unbelief? I think that's true too. This comes from Mark chapter 6. Quote, Jesus could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. There was a town that just had lots of unbelief, and Jesus didn't do much there because people wouldn't believe. You know, I, like I just preached about the anointing with oil, maybe some of you are sick and aren't healed because you don't have faith to go up and say, Pastor, would you anoint me with oil with the elders and, and would you pray for me? I think there are people that would be healed if they follow James chapter 5, but they don't believe in it. So it can happen. Next, next question. What churches do practice the anointing with oil? Well, this is kind of all overboard. I'm I'm a Lutheran. There are Lutheran churches that do the anointing with oil. I was at a Lutheran church once and they barely knew what that was. So there are a lot of them that don't. Same with Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, non-denominational churches. Uh, A lot of churches do this thing and it doesn't matter on the denomination. It's just is the pastor and the elders on top of this one? (laughs) Next question. How should a church anoint with oil? Well, because James chapter 5 says, if anyone's sick, let him call for the elders, plural, to anoint with oil. I don't, I don't like anointing someone by myself alone. I like grabbing an elder. And what we do is we put a little olive oil on their forehead. And it can be any kind of oil. The Bible never says what kind of oil. But I put a little oil on their forehead and the sign of the cross. We lay hands on the person and we pray for healing. That's, that's as simple as it is. Uh, the church that I served for many years, Every Sunday, we would say at the end of the service, if you need the anointing with oil and prayer, come on up after the service. The elders will be up here to pray for you. Next question. Can you get the anointing with oil more than once? When you read James chapter 5, it never says you can only do it once. So like I told you, for this shoulder that got replaced, I did it four times before I paid the money for the operation. Actually, I had good insurance. but, But you know, it never says you can only do it once, so there you go. Um, next, I have heard TV preachers say that if you send them money, you'll get healed or you'll get more money back. Do you believe that? No. Now, I do believe what Jesus said give and it will be given to you. You can't outgive God. You know, you be a generous giver and you see what the Lord brings in. That's true. But these TV preachers that, you know, if you sow a seed to our ministry, if you send us money, your child will get off drugs. You'll be healed of your cancer. You'll get more money back. Uh-uh. And you notice something about it? They don't tell you to sow your seed to your local church. They'll tell you to sow the seed to them. And some of them are driving Maseratis. So, no, uh, be careful who you give money to. Next question. I really believed God was going to heal my friend, but she died. Did I misread God? I think it's easy to misread God. And I'll tell you a story I've told on this show before. Years ago, an uh, an older Baptist minister said this to us. He said, we had a prayer meeting for a five-year-old boy in our church who was dying. And at that prayer meeting, we all had such a sense that God was going to heal that child. And we left that meeting that night firmly believing God is going to do a miracle and heal that boy. And he said the next morning, the boy was dead. And he said, I have learned not to confuse my strong emotions, my strong feelings, with the will of God. Some people do this, and they're well-meaning, but oh, I just, I had a lady say this at the door of church one. Oh, Pastor Tom, I know the Lord told me Lorraine's going to be healed. Later that week, Lorraine was dead. And what I think was going on, she had such a strong desire and feeling, she thought that was God's will. Well, not necessarily. Next question. I must admit I am angry for God that he has not healed me, and I have suffered so long do you have any advice? Uh, Well, can I tell you what an old white haired Lutheran pastor told me? He said, Tom, pray the Psalms out loud. So if you're in a funk, if you're depressed, if you're angry at God, just maybe pick up your Bible and read a Psalm out loud. Some of the Psalms, people are kind of angry at God and God can take it. He's a, God with big shoulders. And if you're mad about it, might as well talk to him about it. He knows it anyway. I mean, I rem- one of the dearest Christian women I have ever known, she was a pastor's wife, she went through lots of pain. She was in the hospital, I don't know, maybe 50 times. When she was in the hospital for the last time, uh, I went to visit her. And I had never seen her like this, but she was angry. And she said to me, Pastor Tom, and she never called me Pastor Tom, she called me Tom. Pastor Tom, why is the Lord doing this to me? And we talked and we prayed and she had solid faith in Christ and she's in heaven now. But some of this is beyond our understanding. If you're mad at God, pick up the book of Psalms. Just read some of them out loud. God can handle your anger. Hmm. Next question about healing. Should I ever stop praying? For my healing." Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. It might have been a disease. It might have been a, an enemy. But Paul says, three times I asked God to take the thorn away and God said, nope, I'm going to leave it. My power is made perfect in your, in your weakness. So Paul did stop praying. Here's my thought. I'm going to pray for my healing till I die. If the Lord tells me not to pray, then I do what Paul did, I stop praying and I move on. Well, those are the questions. Again, pray for our Jackie. And everybody, thank you. Uh, if you want to see this show, we, all of our TV shows are on the internet for free. Just go to pastorstudy.org, two S's, and you can see all of our TV shows for there. There, if you want to uh, help support our ministry so we can add more and more cities, we've been able to do that. It was Just thank you for your prayers and your support. Uh, there you go. But just, would you just take a moment and this night before you go to bed, con- consult the expert and read your Bible every day. And we'll see you next time on the Pastor Study.
0: Perfect. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study.